are listening to a recording from Mayo Baptist Church. We invite you to come worship with us where we strive to love God, love others, and serve the world. Uh, each of you for, uh, for leading us in worship tonight. Man, that, was, uh, that was great. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Rick, for giving me an opportunity to come be here uh, with you all tonight. I am uh, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm James Peoples, as uh, Pastor introduced me. I um, tell you a little bit about uh, me. Uh, I live over in Keystone Heights, where I serve as pastor of Trinity Baptist Church. Uh, Keystone, a little north of Gainesville, close to Stark, that area. And I've been pastor there for the last uh, 22 and a half years. Uh, matter of fact, it's the only church that I've ever uh, pastored. In between undergrad and seminary, I was associate pastor for a year and a half. But uh, I came to, uh, uh, came to Trinity uh, right out of seminary uh, back in 1994. And um, uh, my wife, Jeannie, um, and we have uh, two uh, girls. My oldest, Emily, she's a senior at University of Florida uh, this year. And my youngest is Dana. She's 16. And uh, she's got special needs, uh, Down syndrome, autism, a few, uh, few other little things. And so Jeannie's kind of staying with her tonight, not able to come over and, and be, uh, be here tonight. But um, um, she, wishes she, uh, she wishes she could. I got a couple of other hats that I wear in addition to, uh, to being pastor for the last uh, two years. Uh, I've been serving, representing uh, you as president of the Florida Baptist uh, State Convention. And I'll be finishing that up in November. We're having our annual meeting at uh, Calvary Baptist in Clearwater, Florida. I appreciate your prayer of, uh, coming down, the final preparations to that coming uh, together. But that's uh, looking forward to that. One of my other hats is I serve as the pastor ambassador for Florida for the North American Mission Board. And so tonight, I want to extend greetings to you from Dr. Kevin Azell, the president of the North American Mission Board. And uh, I saw the news today that um, it was the second largest ever Easter offering for Annie Armstrong, uh, the Annie Armstrong, excuse me, the yeah, Annie Armstrong Easter offering for uh, North American missions. It was the second largest ever. And so, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, that's um, it's a real praise. And that's part of what they've asked me to do. I mean, why, why you know, ask somebody to be a, a pastor ambassador? It's just somebody else to say thank you to pastors. And thank you to churches for what you're doing in giving to the cooperative program and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, making a huge, huge difference. Well, I'm thankful uh, to be here uh, tonight, hopefully to encourage you, uh, to challenge you in your own walk with the Lord. Um, as our uh, sister here said, uh, you know, we all have challenges all have uh, struggles that we face and where, where we are. I want to, uh, as, as we've already done in song, lift up the Lord Jesus tonight and proclaim the power of the gospel that can change and transform every area of our lives. It absolutely can. It absolutely does. Yet sometimes 
I believe we forget who we are in Christ. And the difference that it makes of being in Christ at this authority of Scripture conference. I want to take you back to the Word of God. And what the Word of God has to say about our identity. Your identity. Who you are in Christ. Who are you? What's your identity? Think on that thought. And here's just a brief little video to get us going tonight. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? That's our identity in Christ. That's who we are. But the problem is so many, and I'm talking Christians, don't know who they are. They don't really understand their identity in Christ. You you see, once you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, once you give your life to Him, once you uh, turn from your sin, repent of those, and you give your life to Christ, a huge transformation takes place in your life when Jesus becomes your Savior and your Lord. You go from darkness to light. You go from lost to being saved. And and, and what happens is you get a new identity. But many don't realize that. They don't understand it. And they they, they forget. And, And here's really what happens. The devil steals away your identity. Specifically the topic I want to talk on tonight is identity theft. It's a big thing that we all uh, deal with. It's a huge problem in our uh, society. Spiritual identity theft is an even bigger issue. And every one of us, myself included, we struggle with identity theft. What I'm talking about is the devil trying to steal from us our true identity in Christ. You remember what Jesus said of the devil? He said he is a thief. And what about him? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He wants to steal your identity. He also said the devil is a liar. He's a liar and the father of lies. And so when the devil comes to steal away your identity, that knowledge of of who you are in Christ, he doesn't want to just steal that away. He wants to steal it away and put in its place a lie. So that we end up believing his lies Rather than the authority of Scripture and what God's Word says, we are in Christ. A couple of years ago at a Christian conference, a speaker asked those attending this particular conference, he said, how do you think God sees you? God tonight, as he's looking down on each of us in here, in this place, the speaker said, he said, how do you think he sees you? And he had them fill out a card. And, 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 and they turned it in. And if I did the same thing right now, if I went around, passed out a three by five card and said, write on a card right now how you think God feels When he looks down and sees you, what would you write on that card? The responses this particular leader got back were heartbreaking. One person wrote, when God sees me, he thinks about me. He's such a hypocrite. Another person wrote, God sees a troubled, misinformed baby. Another one says, God looks down and he sees a a, a sinner. When God looks down, he's disgusted at me. Another, he's disappointed in me. When when God thinks of me, he's sickened. Listen, this was a Christian conference. These were all Christians. They're thinking about how God looks down and sees them. And those were their, their, that was their identity. That was their identity. You may be thinking tonight, well, I... I sort of feel the same way. When God looks at me, I think He's disappointed. When God looks at me, He's he's sick. And when I think I'm just the black sheep. I don't doubt whether or not I'm a Christian. I just don't think God feels very highly of me. Listen to me. The Lord wants to change that impression tonight. What's happened is the devil has stolen your identity and he's replaced it with a lie. And so often you and I believe the devil's lies rather than the truth of God's word. And the Lord says, I want to break those chains. I want to destroy all of those lives. I want you to get to the place where you believe me and what my word says about who you are in Christ. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look at verse 4. Here's what the Word of God says. Peter wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also, to which they also were appointed. Now, now watch it. Here it comes. This is our key verse, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I pray the Lord takes his word. And applies it to our heart tonight so that we believe who he says that we are in him. Well, the context of this passage gives a a contrast. That's why I I read those early parts of the verses before verse 9. Because it gives the contrast between those who rejected the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who came to him. Those who received him. Those who were set free and, and saved by him. What we were singing, amazing grace and my, my chains are gone. What a contrast between the two. And verse 9, our key verse, tells us who we are in Christ. And in verse 9, there are four wonderful life-changing truths about who we are the moment We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We're going to walk through these four four truths tonight. Here's transforming truth number one. You are not unwanted. You're chosen. You're not unwanted. You're chosen. Uh, Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. Not unwanted, but chosen. Now the devil will try to tell you you're unwanted. You're unloved, you're unaccepted, you're unacceptable is what he'll try to tell us. But that's not true. The Lord clearly says, as Christians, you are a chosen generation. Now when we think of chosen generation, you think how your pastor's taught you and what you've learned in Sunday school. We, you know, we, we think back to the Old Testament and we think of the Jews as God's chosen people. But we're not reading in the Old Testament. Okay, We're reading in the New Testament. Peter, he's writing to Jews and Gentiles. So he's not just merely talking about the Hebrews. He's talking about Christians. We've been chosen. As Christians, we are a chosen generation. Not unwanted, but chosen. You need to understand, God wanted you. In his family. He chose you to be in his family. That word chose there literally means select. You are selected. If you are in Christ today. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can stand on the certainty of this truth. God chose me. He chose you. You can stand on that. 
Jesus said in John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me but I chose you. You're chosen. You're not unwanted. You're chosen. Guy Dowd was a former national teacher of the year. And he speaks all over the country about his experiences growing up. And and how the Lord's done such a tremendous work in his his heart. And and he tells about growing up in school. And and here's how he says it. He says, "I, I, I was the fat kid growing up in school. And he tells about being made fun of and really not being good in athletics at all and just being the butt of people's jokes and things like that. And, and he tells the story about how he was in the sixth grade. He says, you know, when we would go out for recess, every time there would be the two teams, you'd have the two captains, and this captain would choose, and this one would choose, and this one would choose, and this one would choose. And they'd get down, they'd pick everybody, and guy says, I was always the last one. He said, uh, I was the guy nobody wanted on their team. And then he said we would get down to call in the place, and they would say, okay, now you go long, and you go, you go short, and you go medium, and uh, guy, you just stay in and block. He said, I, I was the guy nobody wanted. But he said, one day Mr. Card, Mr. Card was a sixth grade teacher. And he said, one day Mr. Card played with the kids. And Mr. Card was one of the captains. And the very first person Mr. Card chose out of the chute was Guy. He said, Guy, I want you on my team. Guy said, I felt like I won the Super Bowl. He said, he chose me. He said, nobody ever chose me. But Mr. Card chose me, and he wanted me on his team. Mr. Card wanted me. He loved me. He wanted me on his team. Friend, God chose you. He loves you. He wants you. He selected you. He said, I want you on my team. I want you in my family. You're not unwanted. Get a hold of this tonight. Anytime you feel unwanted, I'm telling you, friend, on the authority of the Word of God, that's a lie. Anytime you feel unwanted, that's a lie from the enemy because God chose you. Heard the story about Dick Hill. For years, he was the worship pastor at Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And and Dick tells the story of his own experiences being adopted and um, there may be some of you either you've been adopted or you've adopted someone you you're familiar with that and and um, when Dick grew up his parents early on when he was able to understand they they told him about it you know being familiar with adoption you know sometimes those who've been adopted kind of struggle with that and and they said now dick we need to tell you um you're adopted you're not our naturally born son uh, but you're you're adopted into our family and um you know again sometimes people who've been adopted they they struggle with that and they think well you know my folks didn't want me these people here just picking up their slack, but you know they didn't want me. But, but Dick's parent, parents were smart, and they gave him a different perspective on it. And Dick said, uh, and they said, Dick, you know, moms and dads don't really have a choice. 
When they get pregnant, they don't have a choice about what they're going to have. But they said, Dick, we had a choice. And we chose you. We picked you. We selected you. And the truth of that got down into Dick's heart. A few weeks later, he was playing out on the playground with some of his friends. And he said, hey, you know, your parents had to have you, but mine chose me. That's what God did for us. He chose us. He adopted us into his family. It's one thing just to say God wanted us into his family, but it's another thing to do everything that was necessary so that we could legally be a part of his family. What that means is Jesus had to go to the cross, pay the price, die for our sin, rise again. So that we could become a child of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. We have the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into his family. He chose us because he wanted us to be with him. Now here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to out loud... Lift our voices together and to declare the truth of God's word. Why don't you repeat after me? I am not unwanted. I am not I am chosen by God. That's transforming truth number one. Here's transforming truth number two. You are not a piece of trash. You're a royal priest. At that conference I told you about where they asked people, well, how do you think God sees you? So many of those folks, they, they just thought of themselves as a, as a piece of trash. I'm just an old sinner. God's disappointed in me. When He looks at me, He's sickened. Why? Because I'm just a piece of trash. The devil wants you to think that you are nothing more than a piece of trash. But I'm telling you, friend, on the authority of the word, he is a liar and the father of lies. And the reason why it's so important to believe the truth and not believe the lie, here's the reason why it's so important. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you think... Hey, I'm just a piece of trash. You think that's who you are, friend. The result is you're going to live a trashy life. Because that's who you think you are. I'm just a piece of trash. You'll live a trashy life. But you're not a trash. You're not a piece of trash. God says you are a royal priest. Go back and look at verse 9 again. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Hey, you've got... Royal blood flowing through your veins. Royal blood. Hey, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. God said that. Uh, Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote what God told him to write. God said, Peter, write these words to my people so that they will know they're my priests, that, that, that they are of kingly descent. You and I, as children of God, we are princes and princesses. Of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now how long is it going to take before we start living like a king's kid? Because that's who we are. And I like the way the Lord 
put all this together. A royal priest. It's not just any old priest. A royal priest. Again, your, your pastor's done a good job teaching you. And, and, and think about the importance of being a priest. In the Old Testament, if you were a priest, that, that was pretty special. I mean, you got to do things that other people didn't get to do because you were a priest. You were set apart for a special service. The, um, the high priest was the only one who could go into the area called the Holy of Holies in the temple. You remember the temple it's set up? It's got the, the outer court and the inner court and the innermost court called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was separated from the rest by that big, thick, heavy veil. And only the high priest could go in there. Now, he could only go in there once a year, and, and, and he could go in only then with bloodshed. He couldn't just waltz on in there anyway. He could only go in there once a year, and he would have to go in there with bloodshed. As a matter of fact, they tied a rope around his waist in case when he got in there and he was struck dead by the presence of God, they could at least pull him out by the, by the rope because nobody else could, could go in there. The Bible says when Jesus died on that cross, that big, thick, heavy veil that separated the Holy of Holies from everybody else, that separated the, the presence of God from everybody else, the Bible says when Jesus died on that cross, that veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. God tore that veil in two. And now we have direct access to the very presence of God as His children. We have direct access to the very throne of God. And we can be royal priests and come right into His presence. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, we can come with boldness. We can come to the Lord with confidence. He, he's He's given you a position as priest. I love you, pastor, but you don't have to go through your pastor to get to the Lord. You have direct access to the Lord as a high priest. Jesus, our, uh, Jesus, our high priest, has, has made a way so that uh, as a priest, we can come uh, to God 24-7 anytime. And when we understand I've got royal blood flowing through my veins because the Lord lives inside of me. And, 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 and not only that, He's given me the position of priest. What that means is I can pray for and I can, see, I can intercede for others. But because I'm a priest, I've got access to God. Friend, when, it's amazing when you start to realize your identity in Christ. When you realize who you are in Christ, it's, it's amazing. Friend, listen, you are not unwanted. You're chosen. You're not a piece of trash. You're a royal priest. Are you ready to say that? Repeat after me. I am not a piece of trash. I'm a royal priest. Here's transforming truth number three. 
You're not a dirty sinner. You're a holy saint. Go back to our verse, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy saint. That word translated holy, it's an interesting word. It's Greek word hagios. It's a a word that's used a lot in the Bible. In the New Testament, that particular word, 92 times in the New Testament, that word is translated as holy. 61 times that word is translated as saint. Now the devil will try to tell you, you are nothing more than a dirty sinner. But God says that's not true. You're a holy saint. Now we don't, we don't particularly think of ourselves very often as holy saints. I mean, we hear stuff like this, well I'm no saint. Well what are you then? Okay. Well, what are you then? Because when you get right down to it, there are only two kinds of folks. There's the saints and the ain'ts, I guess. You know what I mean? You're either a saint, a, a, a Christian, or you're, you're not. You see, the moment you receive Christ, God sees you as a saint. He calls you a saint. Well, when you get in the Bible and you read through the, the letters that were written, the New Testament writers from Paul and Peter, he writes to the folks there. He says, you know, to the saints who were at Ephesus or to the saints who were there or, or, or here. Um, uh, Paul over in Romans, he said, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. That's what God sees us as His children. He doesn't call us sinners. He calls us saints. And you may say, but, but Pastor, I, 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 you know, I, I still sin. Yeah, I do too. We all do. But grasp this. A sinner is not who you are anymore. You're a saint. But you're a saint who still struggles with sin. You see the difference? You're not a sinner, you're a saint, and we're still struggling with sin. There's a big difference. God doesn't look at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a saint. He looks at you as a holy one, a called out one. Again, that is not just you know a little turn of phrase there. It makes a huge difference again. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to start thinking of ourselves the way God sees us as a saint. Now I'm sure none of you, when you walked in here tonight, thought, well, I wonder what St. James is going to say to us. None of us thought that. I I can assure you. We, We don't typically think in those terms, but you know what? We need to. We need to start thinking like that. Why? Because that's who God says you are. You're a holy nation, verse 9. When you receive Christ, God calls you a saint. When you receive the Lord as your Savior, God sees you as holy. That word translated holy or saint, literally it means sacred, set apart, consecrated. 
And God says, I've saved you and set you apart. I've set you apart. You're now to be different from everybody else. You are my saint. You are my holy one. God doesn't see you as a dirty sinner. He sees you as a holy saint. But again, we're we're back talking about identity theft. And the devil will start trying to tell us, who do you think you're kidding? You're not holy. Look at that sin in your life. You remember what you did last week? You remember what you did earlier today? Ah, remember back when you did this and back when you did that? You have the audacity to call yourself a saint. You're no holy saint. If those people knew what you had done, they'd run you out of here. You just need to shut your mouth with this holy saint business. And those are the lies he tells us. And we tend to believe it. Folks, it's identity theft. It's identity theft. He is a liar and the father of lies. And we believe it. Friend, God does not define you by your failures. He says, you're my holy saint. Yes, you've stumbled and fallen in in these areas in your life. But you're my holy saint. As the old song says, he's able to forgive even the vilest offender who truly believes. Several years ago, I met a lady named Iris Blue at a, at a conference. And um, Iris had lived a rough life. She lived for many years out on the street, lived a life of prostitution. And in this conference that, that I was in, she was sharing her testimony about what God had done in her life. And, and listen to how... Iris described what Jesus had done for her. She said, I knelt down a tramp and I stood up a lady. Isn't that a beautiful story? The beautiful picture of what God can do in our lives. I knelt down a tramp and stood up a lady. She knelt down as a sinner and stood up as a holy saint of God. God came into her life. He forgave her. He cleansed her. He completely wiped out that sin. Here's what God's word says about that. Psalm 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Friend, don't let the devil dump a load of guilt on your doorstep saying you're not holy because you did this or you did that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 verse 15, God has made these things clean, so don't call them unholy. Listen, you are a holy nation. You're a holy people. Are you ready to declare it? Repeat after me. I am not a dirty sinner. I am a holy saint of God. Here's transforming truth number four. You are not a worthless person. You are God's own possession. Again, verse 9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people. A people for God's own possession. Friend, you're not worthless. You're special. 
Now the devil will try to tell you all the time, you're, you're worthless. You're worthless. That's what he'll try to tell us. And we fight those feelings of worthlessness all the time because we have an adversary out there who's always telling us lies about who we are and and we shrivel and we shrink and we start believing that. Friend, you are not worthless. You are God's own possession, His own special people, His own special treasure. Deuteronomy 26 verse 18 says, Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be His special people just as He promised. Doesn't that make you feel good? To think that God calls us His special treasure. You're the apple of God's eye. Listen, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God carried a wallet, your photograph would be in it. Friend, you are a special treasure to God. And we need to start believing that. Why is a man thinks in his heart? So is he. I mentioned earlier about my wife, Jeannie, and the two girls that uh, we have. Um, The Lord's blessed us. Jeannie and I, we've been blessed with stuff. Okay, we've got a house, we've got cars, got food in the refrigerator. Cleaned out this week after not having power for a little bit last week. But uh, uh, we've got a refrigerator that's been restocked with, uh, with, with food. Got some money in the bank. We've got stuff. But compared to all the stuff that we have, nothing compares to the special treasures we have in our two girls, Emily and Dana. Our girls are our special treasure. Now, God forbid that this would ever happen, but if, if someone kidnapped one of my daughters and said, you need to pay $100,000, and you need to pay $200,000, or every cent you could possibly give me, I would do it without hesitation. Why? Because they are that valuable to me. What did God give to purchase you? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God the Father's greatest possession of all, of His, of his heart, is, is His Son, Jesus Christ. And yet He gave His Son willingly for you and me on that cross. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.18, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct uh, received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. We were bought with the precious blood of Christ. Friend, you're not worthless. You are God's own possession. His special treasure. Won't you say that with me? I am not a worthless person. I am God's own possession. And you know what would really be good for us to do? Is just to go through those truths every single day. 
to remind ourselves of who we are, our identity. Uh, we need to do that because so easily we get blown off course. So, so, so easily we, we get blown into lies because we, have, we, we start getting these feelings. Well, that's not my identity, but it is. The devil is a thief and a liar And we need to trust God and not believe the devil's lies. We need to stand firm in Jesus Christ and our identity in Him. Now why does the Bible want us? Why does God and the authority of His Word, why did He want to make it so very clear our identity? Well the reason why we're told that is found at the end of verse 9. Go back and look at it. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. God has revealed and told us all of these things so that we can praise Him. So that we can proclaim the praises of Him who took us as a sinner and brought us into the light. Who made us holy saints so that we can go shine as bright lights for for Jesus Christ. So that we can be the witness that He's called us to be. Y'all talked about the last couple of nights in this conference. I know you've been challenged to be that witness. But you know what? You're not going to be a very good witness for Christ if you don't know who you are. If you're buying in all the devil's lies and you're thinking this and that, you're not going to be a very good witness. You're a chosen, wanted saint. You're a royal priest. You're God's special treasure. You're you're His own special possession. God wants to do great and mighty things in our lives. Friend, God wants to do... I know God's doing a great work here in, in this fellowship right here. But I believe God wants to do even more. Okay? He wants to break chains that have been on you for a long time. He wants to destroy strongholds that have been in in your mind for years and years and years. And He is simply waiting on you to believe His Word and who He says you are. Now, this message really to this point has been for those who have truly believed and have been saved, okay? And yet the devil tries to get us to not trust God and believe his lies. But that's the same goal he has for those who've not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And maybe uh, there might be one here tonight and you've not yet put your faith and trust. The devil wants you to believe his lies. And he will lie and he'll tell you Jesus doesn't want you, but he does. The devil will lie and tell you God will never save you, but he will. Not after all that that you've done. Friend, that doesn't matter. Trust God. Don't believe the devil's lies. Again, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever 
believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. Trust God and don't believe the devil's lies. Here's how we're going to close out our time tonight. There's a song that we're going to play, and it's got a powerful message to it. And as you listen to this song and the lyrics of it, I just want you to think about what God's Word says about who you are. It's not what I say. It doesn't matter what I say. It does matter what He says. And I want you to think about what God's Word says about you. And you listen. And you pray and you let God break those chains that have been on you for a long time. Let God destroy those strongholds that have been in your mind for years and years. Tell me, lest I fall.
You're beloved. You're beloved. 